that in the valley of decisions, aren't we? Constantly, constantly in the valley of decisions. Well, we want to get right into our lesson again tonight. We talk about growing our faith. We talk about growing our faith. Mark 4, 40, and he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Amen. We know that John, uh, tell us in the epistles of John, that if we fear, we're not what? Made perfect in love. And God is love. So the thing we have to work on is growing into that perfection. We've got to go on to perfection. We've got to become complete in Christ. Nothing else really matters as long as Jesus is the center focus. We must keep our focus on him, amen, because we will grow through our focus on him. So we got to stay connected to the Lord, amen, is what he desires of us. He wants us to grow. We He did not save us to to leave us where we were. We must move on to perfection. We must grow in Christ. And we've already looked and we have realized that faith comes by hearing, and it comes by hearing the Word of God. And the Word of God has everything that we have need of. That's why I always like to say it's like the owner's manual in your car. It tells you what you need to do to keep operating and keep going forward is the basic instructions before leaving the earth. Inside of that book is everything. Amen. I you know, he did, I don't think he left anything uncovered. <laughs> you know, and that's why when you when you read the scriptures, you've got to use the application part. How does this really apply to me? What is God trying to show me that I need to do so that I am ready for any un, un, un Warned circumstance, any unforeseen circumstances, the things that come to my way. As we was talking last week, there's always going to be some roadblocks. There's always going to be some detours uh, in this journey that we're on. We know that, as Paul said, it's through much tribulation that we enter the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us in Revelation 2, the devil's going to cast some of us in prison, that we be tried and we shall have tribulations ten days. He says, but be thou faithful unto the end, and I give you a crown of life. So we, we know some things are going to come, and so that's why we can't wait for them to come. That's why we have to be proactive in this thing and build up ourselves on our most holy faith so that even though we may get knocked down, we have the strength, we have the encouragement to get back up again. The Bible says that a just man falleth seven times, but he rises up again. David says in Psalms 37, 25, I've been young. Now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seeds begging bread. Paul tells us in Romans fifteen four that the things which was written before was written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scripture, would have hope. Amen. So no matter what we go through, we can't lose hope. We can't lose our zeal and the things for the things of God. And that comes by growing our faith. Job did things when he was in his right mind. And while you're in your right mind, that's why you got to do things when it's going good. When everything seems good and everything is working good, that's the time to build up the store up. 
You know, it's, it's no different than being in the world. You know, when 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 you, the economy is booming, you know, they say, what's the best time to save? If you ever notice, what are they trying to get you to do now? You know, they're trying to get you to save. Even in our organization, you know, depending because of church, they're trying to get you to invest. They're trying to get you to save because you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. So you need to have some savings saved up. You know, we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold in the spiritual and in our natural life. So we need to store up the Word of God in us. You know, hide the Word of God in your heart because you never know when you're going to need that one scripture that was going to push you up and build you up and encourage you. So you want to hide the Word of God in your heart. Amen. Because faith comes by hearing and it comes by hearing the Word of God. We talked about testing the Word of God. Amen. We got to do what God's word tells us to do. As James tells us, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, nor this that is the trying of your faith or the testing of your faith that work patience. Let it, let it be tested, but have the zeal and the eagerness and the abilities to stand. Amen. That's why Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the whole armor of God. So that we're able to stand against the wiles of the devil because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you what? The whole armor of God so that you're able to stand in the evil day and having done all you can do to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the show of faith, where you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and for all saints. Okay? So you, you, the word that's in you need to be tested. Your faith needs to be tested. If you notice what Jesus in his training process with his disciples, he was always seemed to be putting them into a position or a circumstance that they needed to develop. When they're in the middle of the sea and the boat is full of water, he's in the hinder part of the boat, sleep. And the boat is filling up, and they're doing the natural thing. They're kicking it out. But as the more they kick out, it seems like the more's coming in. But have you ever noticed the boat ain't sinking? It never mentions that the boat is sinking. It says it's full of water, and I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, I, I get in the boat be full of water, and it's not sinking. You know, well, Jesus is on board. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not going to sink. You ever see the passage also that Peter was sinking? And he didn't be quiet. He began to cry out. I can, either you're going to sink or you're not sinking. <laughs> you know, I've never seen a rock just sit there and then decide to sink. <laughs> to me, I know when I almost drowned, I was sinking. <laughs> I was, as soon as I stepped in the wrong part, I was going under. Woo! <laughs> you know, so sometimes scriptures just, you know, but it confounds you a lot of times when you read it. But but the key is, you know, they know what to do. In both the situations, they cried out to Jesus for help. 
<laughs> you know, and so therefore we must get into that mindset as well. When when we can't do it ourselves, then we need to be able to say, hey, Lord, I need your help here. You know, and as a result, once you get the help, he's going to show you what you didn't do right usually. And you'll next time you'll be able to get it right. Say, and so that's important as we our words are tested. And our faith is tested. And throughout you see the scriptures, you see that was constantly being tested. The early church find themselves being tested as soon as the early church started. You know, the, the Bible said there was persecution came through the church. And as a result of the persecution, they had to decide uh, if they were going to flee or if they was going to stand for truth. And so they, we see that in most cases they was really to put their faith to the test and stand because they knew that God had told them that he would be with them and that he would not leave them nor would he forsake them. And we have to remember the same things. God will not leave us. He will not forsake us. Then we talked last week a little bit about adding to our faith. Okay. Nothing grows until you add to it. You know, it's kind of like in school. You, you, you start out, you learn how to add one and one is two. You write numbers, your letters single by themselves. And as you grow, what do you do? You learn the cursive. You start to learn it. Uh, other higher math, you start learning algebra and calculus and all this stuff. You, you're just adding, you know. That's why each grade in school you get higher, you're adding more and more learning. And it's no different in the church. You know, it's kind of like the same way when we ministers in the United Pentecostal Church. We have three levels to get to ordination. We start out, uh, you know, usually you have a training program in the church under your pastor where you are. Your pastor is using you to do a few things here, do a few things there. I know for me, the way it works, you know, when as soon as I got saved and the pastor felt that God was going to use me in the ministry, the first thing he did was pull me in. He set me down. He talked to me. And then he began to to show me some things I needed to do. And he started implementing me, putting me in, uh, cleaning the church and, you know, being an usher and leading worship. And he just started pouring into me. You know, and then uh, about four years later, I got my local license and, you know, reading all the books and studying and doing all that. And then after that period was over and then my next pastor, he felt I needed to go higher. And so I had more books and more studying to do. And so then I got my general license and then there was more studying and more books to read and more work to do and, and everything. And then I got ordained and, you know, it's more, 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 more. It's never a stop. As Abraham Lincoln says, the day you stop learning is the day you stop leading. So it's more studying over and over and over because you're, you, you're going higher and higher and higher. And it's the same way in the church. We never reach, you know, to that plateau. So we have to keep studying. We have to keep applying ourselves so that we grow and more. And every year, I'm sure you like me, if you read your Bible through every year, you get a little bit of insight more every year into this stuff. But what is the purpose of that? To increase your faith. Is building your faith in God. That's what he desires. He, you know, as the Bible said, precept upon precept, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. God gives a little bit more each time to inspire you of stuff that you didn't see before. And it causes you to want to keep reading and keep studying and keep doing more. So we got to add to our faith. Then we talked about 
doing a self-examination. We have to look at ourselves and we have to ask ourselves, you know, is my faith not growing because of my uh, laziness? You know, am I lazy because it's not growing? Am I not doing things to help my faith grow? See, the Bible says in Romans 12, 3, God has dealt to every man a measure or a metron of faith, a portion, an amount. And once we have that amount, we've got to make that amount grow more. Because if I, I, if I can, all I have is faith and I just lay it up here on the ground, it's not going to do anything. I got to put it into action. I got to add to it. And so Peter tells us to add to it. Virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, so that these things being as, you know, we won't be barren or unfruitful. So God has dealt to every man a measure. He's given every one of us a portion. Amen. It says now do something with it. Okay. And so we, we talked about uh, that a little bit. So we want to examine yourself. You know, is there, am I not being obedient to the word of God? If you're not obedient to the word of God, then you're not going to grow your faith. See, that's why James says you need to be a doer of God's word and not just a hearer. So your deeds will be blessed. See, so we want to add to our faith. Amen. So tonight we want to pick up on number five. We're talking about taking up our cross daily. Talking about taking up our cross daily. Now, how does this help us to grow our faith? And he said unto them, all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Amen. So we have to now pick it up. It's time to get involved and be true to the things of God and live like we are true Christians and ready to serve. Our faith should now at this point be committed to the things of God. Amen. To grow our faith, we must be true cross bearers. Our daily cross bearing must encompass five areas. Compassion. Jude tells us in Jude 22, he says, On some have compassion. Make a difference. Others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even their flesh uh, spotted, I mean their garments spotted by the flesh. So we've got to have compassion. When Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, amen, we know the story how the man was beaten, left half dead, and along came a Levite and a priest. You know, the ministry, they passed on the other side. They offered no help. But then the good Samaritan came by. He bound him up. He poured water, oil and wine in his wounds and healed him up and put him on his beast and took him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day when he was leave, he said to the man, he gave him some money and says, if, if it's, you know, cost any more, I'll pay you when I come back. You know, he showed compassion. Jesus was often moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes as sheep without a shepherd. Amen. We must in this day and age be moved with compassion. See, that's putting our faith into action. Compassion helps put your faith into action. The more compassion you show towards others, the more your faith begins to grow. Amen. James tells us in James 2.17, let's go to James 2.17 through 26. 
James chapter 2. James says, even so faith, if it hath not work, is, work, excuse me, is dead being alone. Notice, if you don't have works with your faith, if you're not doing something with it, it's dead. So you have to ask yourself, what am I doing with what I've got? Say, I've got to start putting it into action. So is dead. Yea, a man may say that I have faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devil also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See thou how faith worked with, worked with works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, for he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. Likewise also was Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So if you want your faith to be stagnant, do nothing. Do nothing for God. Do nothing in the kingdom of God, and you're not going to grow. Say, you need to pray and seek God for what will you have me to do? You remember when Paul got saved, the first thing he did when he was knocked off his his horse or his mule, whatever he was riding and blinded, his first comment was, Lord, who art thou? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecuted. It's hard to kick against the pricks. What's his next question? What will you have me to do? What do you want me to do, God? See, he was ready to get involved. And later on, look how Paul is speaking. You know, he says, I thank my God who took me and put me into the ministry. Every one of us should have a ministry. We should have something that we're excited about doing for the kingdom of God. And that thing should zeal us constantly to be motivated, to move forward, to build our faith, to trust God, to be in action with it. Amen. And not losing hope, but being faithful. Because I don't want to remain dead. Amen. The Spirit gives life. See? So we should not be walking around like we're dead. We're alive. Amen. He came that we might have life and that more abundantly. Amen. Paul tells us that faith comes by hearing the word of God, but faith stands in the demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. Faith stands in the demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. See, so the Spirit of God is in you, is working in you, and so therefore 
Your faith should be motivated and moving forward. The gifts of the Spirit, as we know, are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Amen. Notice it comes with the Spirit. So faith comes with the Spirit. So if I have the Spirit of God in me and the Spirit is life, then my faith should be life. It should not be dead. I should have trust in God. I should have the, uh, the trust that what God's word says he will do. Amen. The thing is, is I got to build this in myself that God is not on my timeline. That's why Isaiah 55 says, God's ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. I can't think that, that, that he's going to do it the way I want him to do it. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, say, thy will be done. Let's let his will be done in every circumstance and in every situation. My job is to trust him and to do what he said he will do. That's what David says in Psalms 27. I had fainted, except I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Notice what he said. I would have quit. I would have gave up, except what? I believed by faith. I had to put my faith in action to believe what God says he would do, he would do. As the writer says in Hebrews 10.35, cast not away, what? Your confidence, which have great recompense of reward. You have need of patience. That's why the Bible constantly said to you and I, wait upon the Lord. Don't take matters into your own hands. Learn to wait upon God and what? He will renew thy strength. You will mount up his wings like eagles. You can run and not be weary, and you'll walk and not faint. Amen. So don't cast away your confidence. It has great reward attached to it. What, notice what he says. He that will come will come and will not tarry. The just has got to live by faith. See? Hope that is seen, as Paul says in Roman 8, is not hope. He says, if I see what I'm hoping for, what am I hoping for? But if I see not that which I hope for, then what? Do I would patiently, patience, wait for it. See, I've got to learn how to wait upon God. And he will strengthen my heart. Wait, I say, David said, upon the Lord. Amen. Keep serving. Keep worshiping. Keep doing the things you know to do is right. And your faith will begin to grow. Amen. So he's dealt to every man the measure of faith. See? So now with compassion, I've got to take this measure and put it into action. When I see someone suffering... When I see someone going through some bad times, I have to put my compassion into operation and action. Because when I'm willing to show sympathy and to help, amen, it strengthens me within. See, because I am in the, the stead of God to try to help the situation. I'm praying for God to give me the words of wisdom, the words of knowledge and understanding to speak a word of comfort at the right moment. Say, this is why when there's bereavement, 
The children of God should have a word of edification and a word of comfort to be able to, the comfort, as Paul says, those that are comfortless. Say, we've, we've got to get this thing. And that's what faith does is faith builds you to a point to where you says, God, I need this and I need the right words to say. And I'm trusting you, God, at, at this juncture in this moment. Say, I don't lose faith. When things are chaotic in life, when there's death in life, I don't lose faith because I've already settled it in my mind, what? That I'm going to a better place. If I am always talking about going to heaven, then why am I going to lose heart? Say, I've got to stay focused. My destination is at hand and all of this. Say, so I've got to have compassion. I've got to have resistance in my life if I'm going to grow my faith. See, Paul says, let him that think he stand take heed lest he fall. See, I've, I can't do wrong and expect good to come out of it. See, i got to learn how to resist some things. What does Jesus say? If someone slapped you on the right cheek? Turn the other. In other words, don't respond in kind. Hey, I need to allow my faith to grow. Go to Acts chapter number 4 real quick. Acts chapter 4. Verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And behold, the man which was healed standing with them, they could not say against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside, go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a noble miracle has been done by them is manifested to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth no more in this name. See, you guys are supposed to be a disease. You're supposed to be contagious. Hello? Hello. You're supposed to be contagious. I might preach that someday. I'm contagious. I might preach that. <laughs> Think about it. They took notice that they had been with Jesus and what they say, that this thing don't spread anymore. Let's threaten them. Because, right. see, they're contagious. See, when you've been with Jesus, you're supposed to be contagious. You're supposed to affect something. Say, you're supposed to make a change in others' lives. So, notice here. 
And they called him and commanded him not to speak at all, nor teach in that name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right to in the sight of God and to hearken unto you more than to God, judge ye. For we cannot be but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them and let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was about 40 years old, of whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David have said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The king of the earth stood up, and the rulers was gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For the truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel is gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold, they're threatening and granting to thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. Notice, they put their faith in action. It says, hey, if we be examined, the deed did to the man, be it known unto you by the name of Jesus Christ. They was contagious. Amen. About Jesus. Your faith makes you, in Jesus make you contagious. You, you resist evil. Amen. You don't fight against evil. See? You just say what the Word of God says, and you stay with it. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to the fifth chapter. Fifth chapter real quick here. Uh, let me see where I'm at here. Verse 20. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that they entered into the temple early in the morning and talked, but the high priest came and they were with him and called the council together and all the senators of the children of Israel and sent the prisoners to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the door. But when he had opened, we found no man within. You don't think the disciples' faith increased? It was in jail, now they're out of jail. <laughs> Amen. The same way Peter, as we saw last week, when Peter was was between, you know, two guards, and all of a sudden the angel came and got him up and took him out. And we talked about that last week. Don't be praying if you ain't going to believe it. See, 
If you pray, you must believe. That's why Hebrews 11, 6 says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you have to have faith to believe that what you pray and ask God for, that his will be done, it be done. And that will keep your faith strong in the Lord. Say, you're saying, God, whatever you want, that's what I want. Okay? Because if it's what I want and it might not be what God wants, I might get disappointed. Say, and then what happens to my faith? Right back down. Say, but I got to keep my faith in him. He works all things together for my good. If I believe that scripture, if all things work together the good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose, then whatever it is, your will be done. I have to keep my faith. I got to keep solid and trust in him. Uh, what does David say? Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They're brought down and fallen, but we're risen to stand right. Amen. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. Drop down to verse 28. Saying, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hang on a tree. Him have God exalted with his right hand to be the prince and savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God has given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood up there up one in the council of Pharisee named Gamaliel, doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourself what you intend to do is touching these men. For before those days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, was scattered and brought to naught. After this man rode up Judas of Galilee in the days of the Texan, and drew away much people after him, he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them along, for if this counsel of this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. And daily in the temple, in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Notice, they was beaten, and they still preached. Amen. 
you have to resist evil. It would have been easy to go back after them. It would have been easy to take matters in their own hands. But no, they believed God was with them. They believed God was working with them. They believed vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I will pay. Amen. So you have to learn how to resist to do evil. Because not resisting the evil is a sign of not having faith in God. Say, we trust God. He knows all things that we have need of before we ask of him. So we have to learn how to resist wrong. Say, it's easy to keep doing wrong, but resist to do wrong. Learn to do good. Evil communications corrupts good manners. Say, so you have to have compassion. You've got to learn resistance. Amen. Because if you don't, your faith ain't going to grow. And you've got to learn how to be obedient. Notice what James says. Don't just be a hearer of the word. You've got to obey and do what it says if you want to be blessed. Amen. As we heard about Abraham. Abraham, by all accounts, was an obedient servant. God told him to do something. He left home. You know, the Bible is Hebrews 11. As you look at what transpires in that passage in the book of Hebrews 11, is all about obedience and submission. Amen. Those, that's in the faith chapter. The Bible says of Abel, he offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness he was righteous. And God testified of his gifts. And by them, he being dead, they still speak to you and me. See? What was the difference between him and Cain, his brother? His brother didn't obey. His brother didn't do what was right. That's why Genesis 4, God tells Cain, he says, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. He says, but if not, what happens? Sin is right there at the door. And his desire to be to you. Sin wants you. Satan wants you. That's why he wants you to not be obedient. But notice what Jesus says. He says, it should not have dominion over you. You are supposed to have dominion over it. See? Sin is not supposed to have dominion over you. You're supposed to have dominion over it. That's why the same comment... And a per se is what Jacob tells, I mean, Isaac tells Esau when he sells his birthright. He says, once you get dominion over it, you know, you break the yoke off your neck. See, we, we have to resist some things. We have to obey. Saul, one of the reasons I really believe that Saul's faith never grew to a point the way he would trust God is he never obeyed, it seems. It seems that everything God tells him to do, or the prophet tells him to do, he seems to avoid doing it. Go kill the Amalekites. Take everything. He didn't obey. You know? He started offering sacrifice when it wasn't his job. Started killing all the priests. Look at how Saul's life goes downhill when as soon as he's reprimanded by God for not obeying. 
It's no different today. You reprimand somebody for not obeying, you know what happens? It seems like their lives just start going further and further and further and further and further away from God. Because they won't get dominion over the wrong. See, the same way Isaac told Esau, he says, once you get dominion over it, you're wrong what you've done, you're going to get the yoke off your neck. But if you never obey, your faith isn't going to grow. It's not, because you're trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in God. The Bible says a good man is satisfied from himself. See, that's why, you know, I hear people all the time in the church say, oh, I don't like confrontation. You're in the wrong place. Jesus always had confrontation. Do you know why you need confrontation, good confrontation? It's healthy for the organization. You need to be able to call people when they're wrong. You know, you're my brother, you're my sister. If I'm wrong, you should be able to tell me. It's healthy for the family. But if you just let me keep going wrong and wrong and wrong, saying, oh, I don't like confrontation, I don't like confrontation, you know, what's going to happen? You're going to harbor bitterness in your heart. And pretty soon that bitterness is going to take root. And when that bitterness takes root, what's going to happen is sin is going to pop out. See? And so you have to get your faith to a point to where you are submitted and obedient to the things of God. Amen. So you got to take up your cross. You got to be submissive. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, he says to submit yourself what? One to another. Be subject, he says, one to another. Amen. Submit. Everybody, Lottie, Dottie, everybody. <laughs> you know, you got to submit to one another. I have to submit to you. You have to submit to me. Amen. That's what the, what it's all about. Over and under. Under and over. We submit to one another. I expect you to keep me on track, Sister Vicky. You know, Brother Wayne, I expect you to keep me on track. If you see me doing something that goes against the Word of God, you're supposed to tell me. That's what healthy confrontation does. You don't just let me keep going down the wrong road. Because we got to build ourselves up together. We're in the body. If I'm cancer in the body, you know what's going to happen? It's going to kill somebody. A twig falls, it don't do much damage. But if a tree falls, it's going to do a whole lot of damage. So we have to be submissive in order for our faith to grow. We have to be obedient for our faith to grow. We have to have compassion and resist to do wrong if you want your faith to grow. We trust in God. Amen. We got to have a servant's heart. Servant leadership is no more than the leader serving. The more you serve, Jesus says the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to. He came to minister and to give his life a ransom. See? So we got to be servants. 
How many times have people said, I ain't doing that? Your faith just went downhill. Because the enemy sees that and immediately he climbs right on you and says, yep, you're right. I wouldn't do it either. That's right. Gets right in your ear. I wouldn't do that. Who did he think he is? Who does she think she is telling you to do that? And your faith just went, because the enemy ain't going to let you get away with that. You know, he's going to keep you right in that person, right in your foreface. He's going to keep you right on your shoulder telling you, yep, I don't blame you. I would have did that too. I, I wouldn't have let him talk to me. Like I wouldn't have let him know. That's what he does. See, you got to be careful. We're called to serve. Think Isaiah 43.10 says what? You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and neither shall there be after me. See? So we have to resist evil. Resist the wrong. Come on. Put the word to the test. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Remember what James said a few minutes ago when we read it? Faith without works is dead. You got to test it. Put your faith through the test. Believe God. You know, when you don't feel like getting up and praying in the morning, and you go like, oh my, it's just two o'clock. God, you're calling me to get up. You know, God, come on. No, get up. Do you know what? If he wakes you up, he will give you the strength to make through the day. That's what I have found for me. Now, <laughs> that's what I have found for me. Every time God wakes me up early, it seems like it's almost midnight that night before before I ever go to bed. Uh, because it just seemed like I'm more motivated. It seemed like he gives me stuff. He he just pours into me when I'm up that early for for some reason. It's like he's he wants to tell me something that I might be distracted some other way. And it builds my faith. It strengthens me, believe me. I'm telling you. You know. He's a good God. So we have to grow our faith. Amen. And another way we grow our faith in all of this is we learn to rejoice in tribulations. See? And Paul says right into the church in Acts 14, 21 to 22, he says, is that it's through what? Much tribulation that we enter the kingdom. Okay? Psalms 34, 19, many are the what? Afflictions of the righteous. But out of them all the Lord deliver them. Okay, so we're going to go through some things, you know. Timex, take a lick and keep on ticking, right? <laughs> so you stop and think about it. We got to get into the habit of rejoicing more when trials. If Isaiah sixty-one three says that God has given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, then do you think we might? He knew something was going to happen. And that he might want us to rejoice and be exceeding glad 
Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all matters of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Peter, 1 Peter 4, 12. Love it. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But what? Rejoice. Say because the more you get into the habit of rejoicing, the more your faith grow. See? Because you're saying, ah, you ain't getting a victory here, devil. You know, I'm worshiping God. No matter what happens, I'm still going to praise God. As Peter says to the church of Philippi in the fourth chapter, rejoice evermore. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. What? The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, the peace of all understanding, will keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Amen. The more you worship God, the stronger your faith is going to be. What was Israel's problem in Psalms 137? What did they do wrong? They hung their hearts on the widow. The things to praise God with, they put it on the tree. You know, your victory is praise. See, he's giving you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. They hung their hearts on the widow. And when those enemies say, sing us a song of Zion, they say, how can we sing a song? Get your harp off the widow. Get your harp off the tree. Amen. Christ is not dead. He's alive. Get him down off the tree. That's what I want to say when I walk in some churches. You get your victory off that tree. You know? And worship him. So the more we get in the habit of rejoicing, the more we get in the habit of having compassion, the more we get in the habit of resisting evil, the more we get in the habit of being obedient and submissive and serving others and serving the Lord, the stronger we're going to grow. Say, because our faith is designed to add to it. The more I study the Word of God, the more knowledge I have about God, the stronger my faith is going to be in God. The more I know, that's where my joy is going to be. Amen. When I was drilling, struck the man, it was nothing like old dark 30 in the morning to walk out in front of soldiers and try to run them a thousand miles. You know? It was nothing. I got joy doing it. I'm serious. I got joy taking a, a brand new convert and turning them into a soldier. No matter how many hours. I mean... Formation was 3.30 in the morning, so that usually meant I had to get up anywhere from 1.30 to 2.30 to be there. And you went later into the night, but it was joy to do that stuff. You know, come on. When I got saved, I mean, it was joy. When I realized what God had did in my life, 
I mean, it was joy unspeakable and full of glory to see what he has done. And to now look back and to see where he's brought me through and where he's brought me, I mean, from and where he's brought me to. Hey, I love him. My goodness. You know where you were and where he's brought you from. You know, that should be, your faith should be really moving forward. That's an indication. You know, if you've been serving God for any amount of time and you haven't given up, that should be an indication of where your faith is now. See, you might say, my faith is weak. No, your faith is growing. It's just that you still got a few rough ages that God is knocking off. See, he'll work all things, as Solomon said. He'll make all things beautiful in his time. Let him work. He will work if you let him. Those areas you're weak in, God will help you through them to build them, to strengthen them as well. But if you've been in the church a while, you look where you are. He gave you that measure. Now look where you are. You didn't give up. You didn't quit when the times was tough, when it got hard. You might have thought about it. You might have missed a few services. But where are you? You're still on the brink. You're still moving forward. You're going higher and higher. And the more you get, you're starting to realize, hey, I can do this thing. I can make it to the finish line. I can make it to the end. Yeah. You'll find that the area that you might need some pruning in, He's working it. And even when you're being prone, you might be down for a little bit, but you get right back up. See, your your faith is growing. So don't sell yourself short. Just trying to help you grow a little bit more. (laughs) Amen. That's what God wants. You got to put it in action. You remember the parable about the talents? Five, two, and one? What did the guys do with it? They added to them. See? So whatever your talent is, add to it. Amen. If you know how to make a blanket, learn how to make a quilt. (laughs) Amen. If you know how to cook, learn how to wash dishes. (laughs) Whatever, you know. Come on. You can do this thing. Believe me. Amen. Our faith is growing. Amen. So through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. Amen. Wow. Man, time is gone. Wow.